The Truth News Network. Remember when the news was pure fact? You do? Well, I have bad news for you. It wasn't. Never was. But the difference between what you remember and what you're seeing now is that the purveyors of the news now don't care that you see their bias. Well, we're biased too. We have a hard, relentless leaning toward the truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor today and every day is Dan Newman. As if we ever believed that the news we get is truthful out of mainstream media. Oh my gosh, we're not going back down that road. And never before in my lifetime has it been so obvious The mainstream media no longer even tries to hide it. It's out there. Everybody knows about it. And they know everybody knows about it. And still, they keep throwing the junk out there. And they look at us as dogs, stray dogs down the road that any time a piece of meat comes out, no matter what kind of meat it is, we're going to jump on it. That's what stray dogs do, right? You really think, Dan, that They consider us to be like stray dogs. Well, maybe a little softer term, maybe uh, sheeple, cross between sheep and people. That's a deep one, isn't it? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to, and thanks for joining us on the first day of Christmas month, a great time of year. I've got some points I'm going to make throughout the next few days to get us in the frame of mind about what Christmas really is to us. Those of us that, for instance, if you're listening now, that means you've got access to uh, internet media, whether it's on a phone or an iPad or on your computer, a bunch of different ways to get TNN live, get it live, but then also to be able to go grab every show and 30 or 40 minutes after we go off the air, from your favorite podcast site. We're very blessed. But this time of year, remember this, this is the time of year when people, all of us, should be looking at our life circumstances and be grateful. Grateful as we are because Father God sent his son and we celebrate December 25th every year as the anniversary of his birth. That should be enough for us. Sadly, it's not. There are a lot of different things we can talk about today, about what we watched, many of us watched. I watched some of, but I did not. I couldn't. I couldn't digest all of the crazy stuff, the lies, the drivel, the anger, the prideful manner in which we saw the governor of the biggest state in the United States live through and show during that debate last night between Gavin Newsom, California governor, and Ron DeSantis, Florida governor. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. As a matter of fact, at the top of this half hour, we're going to celebrate Christmas with a song in a moment, but just a little bit after that, Steve Baker's going to join us live, and we're going to give you our thoughts, and you're going to hear from those two Governors, yourself, you're going to hear the highlights of what you, many of you, probably missed last night watching 
the Sean Hannity one-on-one, inter- well, one-on-two interview debate. I don't even know if it was a debate. I don't know what it was. It was pontification of two people on international television. We'll get the ratings of last night's show when they come out. They'll be out sometime later today. If we get them this morning, we'll tell you what they are. But I promise you, Americans are worried. Americans are hungry to get righteousness, get truth, get law-abiding, get all of that back in place where it's supposed to be. And either one of these guys is in a position to, at some point, if not now, in the near future, move into the White House. We need to know everything we can know about Ron DeSantis, good, bad, and ugly, and the same about Gavin Newsom. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to do about a three-minute listen. We're going to celebrate the first day of the Christmas holiday, December 1st, 2023, with one of the greatest Christmas classics of all time. I'll give you a little explanation of why I say that. My father left mom and me on December 22nd, 1969. Changed my life forever. We were a close family. We celebrated holidays. It was joyous every year. We had in our churches Christmas plays and all kinds of wonderful music decorations. That's the atmosphere I grew up in. 1969, I wasn't quite at that particular point. I wasn't ready for life, and I certainly wasn't ready for life on my own. But as a 16-year-old, I found out what it was like. And one of the hardest times of the year for me, for a long time, was Christmas. And my mom lived in South Louisiana after mom and dad divorced. I was from South Louisiana, born in Texas, but at four, we moved to South Louisiana. And there was always a hollow spot, close to, around, and even a little bit after Christmas season every year. And this song I'm about to play, it's not the original version, but it's one of the anthems that rings loudly in the lives of tens of millions of people, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And you probably already know what the song is. Sit back. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. Home, I'll be home. 
Celebration of holidays, especially Christmas. That's a great tradition that every American family should make part of every year that family is together and do everything and anything you can do to be together with your family members, especially at Christmas. Oh, man, so many great memories. It makes the bad memories softer when you replace them or you try to replace them with these good memories. I've got the greatest family on the planet. So all that being said, um, I'm going to try to segue into this debate, at least for a little bit. Um, I'm going to try to do that, but let's do this. Steve Baker is going to join us in just a few minutes, and we're going to kind of bounce around off each other some of the highlights that we saw and heard and even thought about and follow up. But I'm going to, before Steve joins us, I want you to listen to just part of the first segment of that debate between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. And I've got a lot of ancillary thoughts opinions, but many facts around this debate and the two participants, Gavin Newsom, Governor of California, Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida. But before we go there, I want you to listen to just a couple of minutes. I fast forward through this audio bite past the introduction where Sean Hannity, who was the, uh, I don't know what you call him, the one that was running the interview show, And we're going to go straight to the very first segment. And I want, it's just a a couple of minutes, a few minutes, but it illustrates what two of the leading governors in the United States, one of them is already running for president, Ron DeSantis in Florida. And many people think Gavin Newsom's going to be running for 2024's presidential race because every day, almost everybody thinks Joe Biden is not going to make the trip. Listen to this short segment. Listen closely. You're going to learn a lot about these two governors, these two Americans, these two politicians that tell us they're only interested in what's best for the people of the United States. 
As we speak, there is a phenomenon. It is playing out across the entire country. Americans, they are leaving blue states in droves in favor of red states. You can see numbers on the screen right now from the years 2021 and 2022. These particular numbers are stark in the state that you lead. In the case of you, Governor Newsom, according to the U.S. Census, this is where the numbers come from. In 2021-2022, California's lost 750,000 residents to other states. Governor DeSantis, during that same two-year period, you gained 454,000 residents from other states. So, Governor DeSantis, we had a coin toss. I was not part of it. I missed it. Um, but apparently, Governor Newsom, you won the coin toss. Um, and you chose to let Governor DeSantis right. have the first question. You will get the last word Good. tonight. Uh, so I begin with you. You know, for Governor Newsom, I will ask, you know, what your response is on this as well. What do you, it's a simple question. How do you explain this phenomenon? What, Governor, what's going on? When I was in the Navy, I got orders to go to Naval Amphibious Base Coronado in Southern California. And I was a lifeline Floridian, but I went there and I was like, man, this is one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I think California has more natural advantages than any state in the country. You almost have to try to mess California up. And yeah, that's what Gavin Newsom has done since he's been governor. He's the first governor to ever lose population. They actually, at one point, ran out of U-Hauls in the state of California because so many people were leaving. Of course, he's imposed restrictions on his own people while exempting himself from those restrictions and going to the French laundry while his people were suffering. He led the country in school closures, locking kids out of school while he had his own kids in private school in person. Now, he's very good at spinning these, these tales. He's good at, at being slick and slippery. He'll, he'll tell a blizzard of lies to be able to try to mask the failures. But the reality is they have failed because of his leftist ideology. And the choice for America is this. What Biden and Harris and Newsom want to do is take the California model and do that nationally. In Florida, we showed that conservative principles work. This country must choose freedom over failure. Governor Newsom, your reaction? Well, it's good to be with you, Sean. It's nice also to see you in a, a tie as well tonight. Good to be with you, uh, Ron. And I, I, I dressed up for the occasion, you Governor. Dressed up. No, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm grateful. Look, uh, it's an important occasion. I, this is an important conversation. And, and, I, and I think it's important to the folks watching. They're probably wondering, what are we actually doing here? And, and, and I want to answer that very directly. I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm, I'm here uh, to tell the truth about the Biden-Harris record and also compare and contrast Ron DeSantis's record and the Republican Party's record as a point of contrast that's as different as daylight and darkness. You want to bring us back to a pre-1960s world, America in reverse. Uh, you want to roll back hard-earned national rights on voting rights, on civil rights, on LGBTQ rights, on women's rights, not just access to abortion, but also access to contraception. You want to weaponize grievance. You are focusing on false separateness. You in particular, Ron, are on a banning binge, a cultural purge, intimidating and humiliating people you disagree with. You and President Trump are really trying to light democracy on fire. So, Sean, there are profound differences tonight, and I look forward to engaging them. But there's one thing in closing that we have in common is neither of us will be the nominee for our party in 2024. Governor, um, great opening statement, but <laughs> didn't it did not the ad question. It, it I mean, didn't I address think... the issue. Can you explain this migration 
out of California and going to red states, blue states. Well, hold on. You, you mean the, the, the last two years, more Floridians going to California than Californians going to Florida? No, I, I put it's up on, I put that's up on just, the By the way, that's going to be fun to fact check. So we'll just start right there. California has no peers. Uh, California dominates. Size of 21 state populations combined. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. We dominate. Number one manufacturing state. We dominate in two-way trade and research and development, uh, access to innovation, more scientists, more researchers, more engineers, more Nobel laureates in the state of California than any other state in the nation. The finest system of higher education. It's the birthplace of life science and biotech and nanotechnology. We dominate in green tech. We dominate in high tech. We dominate in artificial intelligence. So with respect, I think it's an interesting case campaign strategy for Ron DeSantis to be bashing a state of 40 million Americans when California simply has no peers. Well, that, that's a pretty slick way of not answering your question. He went on a binge of putting out a lot of left-wing platitudes. Here's what I would say. I, I talked to a lot of the people that have moved from California to Florida, and we never used to get people from California to Florida or really anywhere in the East Coast. Why would you leave California? It's got the best weather, Ron, great Ron, natural forces. Excuse me, yep, sir. Last so, but one of the things that I did, I had, uh, I was talking to a gentleman, a couple. Guys, I know. guys, I'm going to let the debate breathe. But it's his turn. Let's take, let's take turns. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he was really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, and oh, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. And, and why, are we, why are we getting people to come? We have a 50-year low in the crime rate. You don't see, in the last 10 years, we've had a 45% decline in homelessness. California's had a 45% increase in homelessness. We back the blue. I was walking the streets of San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had some of the cops in San Francisco do a beeline to come over to me, and I didn't know what they were going to say. And they're like, we want to thank you for standing for law enforcement because we don't get that support in the All state right. of California. So people understand me, quality of life matters. They understand that Florida's doing it right. And I can tell you the numbers speak for themselves. We have way more Let people move moving on. to this state than leaving. Gavin can't say the opposite. More people are leaving California than are moving into more California. Let me, let me, coming, let me bring up coming to California the other way around the last two years. But let's talk about crime. Wait, wait, talk, wait, so, but, oh, but, Governor, hold on. I think this Governor, is, wait a minute. I think hold on important. a second. He's been, you, he said you, a lot of things that were factually untrue, including that 50-year crime low, which his own law enforcement team said you should not be using. You, you have yet to address the issue, but I asked you twice. You don't want to answer it. But the issue of why the migration out of red states, I'm sorry, well, out of blue states. We just established states. more Floridians coming to California in the last I'm two years than the overall, other Overall, you had a net loss of seven. You didn't establish it. It's you a just fact. asserted it. It's a fact. No, it's not a fact. It, it is a fact. It, 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 it's a fact. No, it's not a fact. Nan and a boo-boo. Okay, that was the very beginning of this debate last night. And both guys, both DeSantis and Newsom, were trying to um, put their talking points out, the big ones first, which I was in debate in high school and college. That's some of the first things you do when you're establishing the fundamental parts you're going to discuss in a debate. I get all that. Joining us right now, are you in D.C. or are you in North Carolina or are you in Florida, Steve Baker? I, I might be way south in uh, the southern part of Florida right now. I okay. might be. Okay. Well, if you're in Florida, you're in a great place. <laughs> That's all that matters. So yeah. 
Hey, listen, right. this, uh, this debate last night, um, I've gotten really numbed to political debates. And I know that in every one of these national debates, there are important nuggets that we need to get, we need to process, we need to know. And I typically try to, halfway through, I won't even have it on television on when they're doing a debate about halfway through when I think the meat's going to be discussed I'll come in last night I couldn't do that I had to sit in on the beginning the middle and the end and here's what I'm going to say we just heard the first segment and it obviously was contentious but what I want to point out is and I don't know any other way to say this than this Gavin Newsom is a pathological liar. He doesn't give a rip about facts. He reshapes or tries to convince people that his thoughts, the things that he wants to say, many times, most of the times in this debate last night, had no attachment to reality, none. What else I've noticed already is typically in a debate this controversial, this important, the fact checkers, the ones that are really fact checkers and the ones that are fake fact checkers, they're out in droves. You know what's missing this morning? No fact checkers of Gavin Newsom. What do you yeah, think well, about that? Well, first of all, let's go back to one of your first statements here is that he's a pathological liar. You're going to have a hard time characterizing any of the Democrat candidates for any office as not being a pathological liar, because if they tell the truth, they can't sell their policies. That's ultimately the the, (laughs) the reality that they're dealing with. That's a bit of wisdom, my friend. That's a bit of wisdom for sure. (laughs) Yes. And the, the, (laughs) you add to it with Newsom, he's got, he's got the slick look. He's got, uh, he's smarmy. Oh, God, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to just characterize his, his personal, uh, um, uh, foibles, but the bottom line is he is the perfect democratic package when you put it in that, uh, light. I mean, if I, to, to be honest with you, if I was going to cast, um, a movie and I needed, uh, somebody to play the devil, uh, to play Satan himself in the movie, I'd probably cast Gavin Newsom because he's got the whole package. He's got the look, he's got the attitude, and of course, obviously, as you've already enunciated, he has the um, uh, propensity for avoiding the truth at all costs. And and this, you know, this was obviously seen last night, and um, I'm hearing from various sources this morning because I did not watch the debate. I've, I've been catching up all morning. And as you know about me already, I'd rather read what other people are saying about it yeah. than actually even watch it. But I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing all the, the, the clips, but I've been going through the articles. I've been looking at uh, what conservatives have said about the debate. I'm looking at what the mainstream press is talking and saying about the debate and seeing how they're framing it. And of course they are, they're, if you look at mainstream press articles, they're framing the um, the Newsom side of the debate as being his opportunity 
to stand the ground against these unfair criticisms that are coming at him, not just from uh, uh, the uh, the other candidate, uh, DeSantis, but the way the, the questions were framed by Hannity, uh, the fact that Hannity basically led a one-sided uh, uh, smear against the uh, uh, the Newsom message because he focused on the high taxes, he focused on the high gasoline prices, he focused on the um, uh, homeless situation, and so forth and so on. All the negatives in his questions, as it was laid out for him. But the but the reality is that is Newsom's problem. That's why he can't tell the truth is because those should be the focus, and it should be the focus of all of the citizens, the forty million that are out there, and it is the reason why. DeSantis had such a powerful talking point about, you You understand you're the first state ever to lose population and you ran out of U-Hauls, which is a true, that was a true statement. They really did. They ran out of U-Haul trucks and trailers because people by the millions were leaving that state. Well, the thing that struck me the most, there were obvious, unbelievable lies by Gavin Newsom. And the way he confronted them, he immediately from the top, he made a case very quickly of why what um, Sean Hannity had a bunch of real statistics from real unbiased organizations, like from the FBI, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from people that keep up with specific things that numbers are verifiable. And every one of them regarding abortion, which was a critical piece of the debate last night, abortion, uh, taxes, homelessness, unemployment, jobs, in every one of those, Hannity threw those stats up on the screen and asked each of the guys, DeSantis and Newsom, about their specific states and how the statistics showed what they showed. In every one of those, there wasn't one that was favorable for California over Florida. But in every one of those cases, Newsom never, not one time, gave an inkling that any of those was true. In fact, every time he said their lies, and then he launched into his quote-unquote real statistics. I cannot tell you how many times he just outright lied and grinned as he did it. Mm. And the scary thing for me, 40 million people live in California. If those were the only people watching this debate, think about what those people are, the synopsis that they came back with from the debate There are a bunch of people that believed what Gavin Newsom was saying last night. That's scary to me. That's scary to me. But that's, but that's uh, endemic of the polarization that we have in this country. There's once half of the country is just going to believe what comes out of uh, a Newsom character's mouth just because he's on their team. And then they're going to discount and disbelieve what's coming out of DeSantis's mouth because he's on the other team. The biggest problem that we have, uh, unfortunately, Dan, and I, and I hate to even take us into this uh, uh, part of the story, is that I'm more disappointed what I'm seeing coming out of 
and I'm going to say it, and here we go, I'm more disappointed seeing what's coming out of the mouths of the Trump campaign spokespeople this morning related to the debate because they're attacking DeSantis harder than the mainstream media is this morning. And this is, this is, this is, we're, we're on a warning track right now with this happening. I don't know why it's happening. You know, we, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, these guys better, they better go back and read, uh, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment (laughs) because they are poisoning the well so much that regardless of what happens in the primary, whether we end up having a, um, a, a Trump that can, in fact, be on the ballot of every state, if we end up with a Trump who can be on, um, uh, you know, that, that can actually run a campaign in the general election and he's not in jail somewhere, if that happens, he is his people, if not him himself, are angering DeSantis supporters so much that they just won't. They're, he's turning people into, and I, I, God, Dan, I hate going here because I don't like taking sides, especially this early, because I'm going to vote for Mickey Mouse if he's running against Biden. Okay. Sure. I'm, I'm in Florida right now. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, take take your most despised person with the worst voting record on the right and put him up against Biden. He's still infinitely better than Biden's going to what Biden's going to do the country. And and so we have to have that mindset. And these Trump supporters, the the MAGA faithful, the and let's call it the mega MAGA who are saying it's if uh, DeSantis were to win the primary, they're going to write in Trump's name on the ballot. Or if they throw Trump in jail and they take him off the ballot and everybody said they're going to write his name in. I, I understand that, that faithfulness. I understand that loyalty. I understand the passion that they have for Trump. I understand it. But this is so dangerous when we are going up against whatever we're going up against in November of 24. Whether it's Biden, whether it's Newsom, who says he's not running, but, you know, again, as you pointed out, everything he says is a lie. <laughs> and so the, the point being is, is that whoever is running on the Democratic ticket next year must be defeated. And they've got to stop with this um, vile attacks. And I, I'm really, really disappointed in what I'm seeing coming out of uh, the uh, – uh, the Trump campaign this morning in their attacks against DeSantis. Why in the world would they go so hard? They're going, as I said, they're going harder after DeSantis this morning than Newsom did last night. Let me give you a little bone to think about. I've got somebody on the inside that constantly through the last eight years or so has been able to pass along information to me on a confidential basis. Don't repeat anything specific that ties directly to somebody. You've got those people, you sources, you know, we've got to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, here's mm-hmm. what happened. And here's why Trump himself and therefore a bunch of mega MAGA folks are f- stepping in line. There was a gentleman's agreement between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis when DeSantis 
was running for governor for the first time. And the agreement was, they're both Floridians. Yeah, Trump's from New York City, but his permanent resident is in Mar-a-Lago. So they're both Floridians. And it was a, if you do this, I'll do this. That's not very uncommon in politics. You and I both know that. But the deal was, if I help you get elected governor, at some point, I would love for you, and I want you, and apparently DeSantis agreed to this, I want you, in my second term, to run as vice president. You do a great job in what you're doing in Florida. Nobody does as good a job at the state level on pretty much every front as DeSantis has of late. And so you know a lot about handling state stuff. Come go side by side with me and the international stuff that you know some of, but we can do even more things than I did in the first four years. We can do more than that, and we can push forward and get more things accomplished in that way if we do it together. And then after I finish my second four-year term, I will do everything possible to push you up so that you can serve two terms. That way we would have three, actually four, four consecutive president, well, not not four, you got to throw the Biden one in there that we all want to forget about. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be consecutive, but it would be four terms for two very conservative people. And that was agreed to, I'm told. And the person that told me that was party to the actual conversation. And DeSantis, he gladly agreed with it. That's why you're hearing the Trump people going after it. Whether we like it, whether we think it's good, and I hate it, I deplore it, that is the Trump methodology. And this is the thing you and I both need to remember. The blue-collar, everyday working conservative American that is now even more plugged in to Trumpism than they ever were before because of the economic hardships that have been foisted upon them by, as you said, the guy you're never going to vote for, Joe Biden. And every one of them came out of a similar situation after eight years of O'Biden You can call it that, O'Biden, which would be Obama and Biden. And then they had four years of relief, especially economically. We didn't have any foreign skirmishes. We didn't see a war get involved in anything for four years. And it was simply because when these hardcore terrorists, jihadists, whatever you want to call them, the couple of times that they stuck their foot in the water to see if it was hot or cold, and did something to see what Trump would do in response, he didn't make any bones about it. He went straight to it. He went right to the bone and did away with it. And then it stopped it all. So blue-collar America that are conservatives and many more that have become conservatives during Bidenism are looking and they're seeing DeSantis made commitments that he walked away from. And just like there's a, there are a bunch of sayings about that, just like the one that is hell hath no fury than a woman scorned. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we could say Trump 
instead of just a woman scorned, Trump scorned. I don't know, but I know that figures yeah. heavily into this equation. It's not good. I don't think it's good. I always think it is better to sell the glass as being half full rather than half empty. And yeah. right now, I think we're we're tipping over, and I think the glass is about to fall over myself. You know, I'm I'm uh, very concerned about the pot shotting that's taking uh, place between the two of them. Uh, it's obviously because it is Trump's manner. Uh, we you know we know this about him, uh, regardless of who who um, provokes him or who uh, elicits his scorn. He goes he goes to the well deep and he goes very hard and his, his spokespeople are, you know, following in that path and they're going hard, hard as well. But I think that they, they very well could be doing uh, irreparable damage. And it's, it's not necessary, obviously from Trump's perspective, when you're 40, 50, 60 points ahead in the polls, I mean, is that really necessary? I would, I would think that a message of unity would be more important than the uh, the piling on. Uh, it, it is it is because of that that so many people from both camps are flat out saying, "I'm not voting for the other guy, no matter what," because of how they feel about each other. Sure. And and that that puts that puts us in a dangerous dangerous position going into November of next year. I don't want to see it. Um, and. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to avoid a, a couple of other um, conversations, but I, I think it's important for me to say to you and your audience right now. You, you know that since you and I spoke on Tuesday, I have actually met with the attorney general's team down here in Florida. Right. And and in between the last time you and I spoke and the previous week, I actually spoke with uh, Governor DeSantis. And did we talk about that on the air? I can't remember whether yeah, we did you, or not. Yeah, you mentioned it. You did. Yeah, and 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 my my conversation with um, DeSantis was not off the record. It was um, it there was there were no rules, no restrictions whatsoever in what I could say or what I could report on about that. I've chosen not to talk about it because uh, we're we're continuing to. I'm continuing to work with his team on issues directly related to January 6th. And, and when I say that, I, I was speaking specifically with, the, for the most part of my conversation with him, to Governor DeSantis, not presidential candidate DeSantis, if, if you can make that distinction. Uh, there, was, there was a moment in our, in our conversation where I actually did say these words to him. I said, I said, Governor, may I please now speak to presidential candidate DeSantis and he laughed and he said, "Yes, that, that, that'll, be, that'll be fine." And so I did have a couple things to say to the um, the presidential candidate related to January sixth and how I felt like that he was um, short sighted on some of his attitudes and positions relating to January sixth, and and I even offered unsolicited uh, advice to him <laughs> in that regard. You were brave, there. Uh, but. Well, I, I did, and 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 to be honest with you, he pushed back because I was, as not being an attorney myself, um, and him being quite a constitutional scholar and an attorney, and a former military JAG officer, a uh, former federal prosecutor himself, he knows the law, and he said, and he said such uh, to me on the phone. He goes, "You know, I'm pretty good with the Constitution." I said, "Yes, sir, I do know that." 
And, and I said, but we are fighting against powers that don't care about the Constitution. They're not operating within the Constitution. They are deliberately um, subvert. Uh, they're, they're doing everything they can to sidestep due process, the Bill of Rights, the, the, the protections that have been put in place literally formally by liberals actual real liberals, not the leftists that, that run that party today and that administration and that regime that, that runs Washington now. But the point being is, is that I was making to him is that at some point you're going to have to fight fire with fire. Now, I'm not saying we start lying because they're lying. No, we don't need to do that. And But at some point you're going to have to find that nexus in the law where you wave, I said this to him, you're going to have to step in front of a microphone and then you're going to have to wave your finger in that camera and you're going to have to wave your finger at the Department of Justice and say, no more, you're not doing that to my citizens in my state anymore. Just in the same way that the Attorney General of Missouri, when the ATF was going door to door, knocking on people's uh, uh, Missouri uh, citizens' doors and asking them about their recent gun purchases. Well, they were, I mean, that AG went to the camera and said, no, you're not doing that in my state. You do that, I'll have my state troopers escort you out. I said, I said wow. that's what needs to happen in yeah. Florida. Yeah. That's what needs to happen in Florida. Yeah. And I, I actually, I said, look, you know, you can, you can, you can, uh, you know, look, I said, I, this is, this is kind of like, uh, like Rush Limbaugh used to say, he would, you know, uh, illustrate the absurd with absurdities himself. And I said, this may come across that way. But you wag your finger in the camera uh, at the camera, and you tell the FBI that if they do another SWAT raid with 20 agents on a misdemeanor defendant in my state, I will send my state troopers to padlock every one of your gates on every one of your field offices in my gates. You know, and they laugh at that. I said the same thing to the governor. I said the same thing to uh, the AG staff on Tuesday. And that's something that they, you know, they chuckled about because they know what they knew I was being absurd. Kinda. <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah. kind of meant it, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, but that was the message that I wanted to get across to them. And I said to, and I said, and again, my, my conversation, my conversation with the AG staff was more off the record. My conversation with, with the governor was not off the record at all. So I, I will, I will, add this to uh, kind of in, to, to tie this up here about him is that I said to him, if you become president, I want you to do for the rest of the country, what you did in Florida, because what he did in Florida was, it's, oh, it's mean, unprecedented. It hadn't happened. It, it's completely unprecedented. Yeah. It's never happened. It's, it's almost miraculous that we actually had a quote unquote conservative executive leader not only say the right things not only try to do the right things but get it done <laughs> and in in such a dramatic fashion that when it was his turn to go back to the to the voters and say i want to be reelected they went yeah heck yeah and 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 he won by 20 points yeah he won miami-dade county by 12 points you don't do that in a big city. That's a never that's time. never happened in Florida. In that Miami Dade, no conservative has won like that ever. No, 
No, it's abs- it's absolutely unprecedented. And and here is why. This is exactly why that happened. And I think we saw this in that debate last night, at least from what I've been seeing from the clips I've seen and from the, the articles that I'm reading this morning, is is that we saw the guy on stage last night that when he says those words, he means those words, and then he's going to take action on those words to get them done. And what I have been saying about him is that when I look at DeSantis, I see – a guy who was actually more Reagan than Reagan was, if that makes sense to you. It does. Everything that we, everything that we thought, and everything that we remember about Reagan, um, and 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 believe me, you know, I have great fond memories of of his presidency, and he did in the Cold War, and he brought down the Soviet Union. All of these things are true, but. DeSantis has done more in terms of the actual, real, tangible um, things that the average person can sink their teeth into and understand that affects them and their pocketbook, their life, their morality, uh, all of those things. That's why when you come down here, as I'm in Florida right now, that's the, the people, they call it the, the free state of Florida. Yeah. I mean, he, when he says that, he, he's, just, you know, he's, it's kind of a campaign slogan to him, but the people here actually feel it and believe it. Yeah. And, and now having, having said all of that, if Trump gets the nomination and he's not sitting in a jail cell, I'm all in. Yeah. And I've never said that before. And I, I've told you, I've told you before, I've spent the last two and a half years not being a Trump supporter, but defending him at every turn. And, now, this is also off-the-record conversations, but I'm just going to tell you that it is happening, is <laughs> despite the fact that I'm working with DeSantis on January 6th issues, despite the fact that I'm working with the Florida Attorney General's office on January 6th issues, guess who else I'm working with? Who? I'm working with Trump's team, his legal team, on his DC trial, which is a January 6th trial. Yeah. They are spending hours with me. I'm talking about his investigators and his attorneys are spending hours with me consulting because to be honest with you, I know more about what the DOJ DOJ is bringing and to the table there against him than even they do. Yeah. Because, because you were you were you immersed know, in it, you were immersed in the middle of it. They were brought in after yes. the fact. You were right in there that's when correct. it was happening. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I spent two hours with their lead investigator uh, on the phone and just one conversation this week, and and that was uh, not the only conversation I've had with him. Lengthy, yeah. and 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 what he said very specifically was uh, to uh, make your point was that. He said, you know so much more than we, we know. He said, I just have to get inside your brain. And so it's just, it's just, you know, nonstop questions, 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 trying to understand the, even down to the most subtle nuances of the way that the, uh, uh, the Department of Justice are, are preparing these cases because that's, they're bringing, they're bringing the same charges in the same case against President Trump that they brought against 
the whether we're talking about the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, or the grandmother that got you know two months in prison for uh, carrying a flag through the yeah. They're bringing the same, the same charges, the same exact uh, strategies to his case. So I, I, I'm when I so when I say what I say about DeSantis being you know uh, the Reagan that we thought Reagan was, that's not an endorsement. And when I say that I'm working directly with the Trump team to help him, that's not an endorsement. It's just that I really, Dan, I'm working against the other side. And I don't care which side I have to plant my flag on uh, or which team I have to plant my flag on to to defeat them. But I'm working against the enemy right now. And the enemy is this Department of Justice, this Biden administration, the progressivism, the leftism that controls D.C. right now. And that's my target. That's a great way to end this part of this conversation. Steve, I want to thank you. Listen, folks. For those of you that are regulars, you hear Steve Baker almost every Tuesday in our second hour, and you hear me all the time. We're both pretty much in the tank of we are pro, pro, very pro, all in for our representative republic government. And you can call it a version of democracy, whatever you want, but in both of those settings, we both are 100% all in for government of, by, and for the people, not of, by, and for the government. And that's what we are both about in bringing you all this kind of stuff that we do. Steve does it every day. We do it every day here at Truth News Network. And most of you are either here, here, live, or you're downloading the podcast because you couldn't get into everything Two hours every morning is a little bit much, especially during a work week, to sit there and listen to us. But nevertheless, Steve is like-minded in many ways. We have far more things that we believe that are the same than we do, and neither one of us are 100% into most anything when it comes to governor. But we're closer in agreement on these things than pretty much I am with anybody else, and I know Steve feels the same way. Buddy, Thank you for taking time out of your abnormal day to be here. You're here every Tuesday, and we thank you for that. But, hey, keep us posted on what's going on down there. And if, if you if you want to just chat about it off air when you're doing something else or driving, which yeah. you, dri- you drive all the time anyway, give me a call. Yes, yeah. Give me a call. I love having a conversation with you every time we can. You got it, man. Be careful down there and enjoy yeah. Florida, My besides Louisiana, my favorite state. absolutely thanks dan appreciate you having me today have a great weekend steve baker johnny on the spot and always has some great facts to share with us let me tell you what's ahead i've got one more short segment we're not going to do it right now but i've got probably the most important segment of that debate last night and it is the abortion positions of governor ron DeSantis compared to California Governor Gavin Newsom. What else do we have going on? Sad news. I got a bulletin just a few minutes ago. Former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor passed away this morning. She ended her life with a really nasty battle against cognitive decline and full-blown Alzheimer's. I knew her personally. I was with her one-on-one in two different circumstances I guess the most recent was about 
maybe 15, 16 years ago. And then we sat together on a flight from Dallas to Washington, D.C. She was going back, obviously, to work in Washington. Now, this is 20, 22, 23 years ago. And uh, I did one of those things. I upgraded my ticket, not thinking that I was going to be in first class sitting next to former U.S. Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. She was quite a woman and an excellent Supreme Court Justice. Wish we had more Sandra Day O'Connors. But anyway, she's gone. Our prayers will be for her family. And after all, especially what ended her life, she's in a much better place now than she was yesterday. What else do we have coming up? We've got a couple of little tidbits coming out of Israel and we've got some southern border stuff but I guess the most important controversial thing and and I say most important because you need to know everything that goes in life and as part of choosing who's going to lead us both at the federal level and the state level we've got some inside news there so sit tight back in two minutes I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yes, yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Oh, Jesus! Supermodels! What are you model? Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Xi Jinping, China's president, and I'm saying it that way, putting the term president in quotation marks. He's a dictator. 
Everybody knows that, Xi Jinping. When he was in California last week, I, uh, I actually saw some video of what Gavin Newsom had done just because Xi Jinping was coming to San Francisco for that meeting. They totally overhauled downtown San Francisco from the bay up to the top of the hill. And if you know San Francisco, you know where I'm talking about. All of downtown was pristine. They moved all of the homeless people off the streets, put them somewhere else. And oh yeah, they got the uh, power washers out, the commercial power washers, and they cleaned up to poop on the street. Gavin's just trying to put the best face forward for, you know, the Chinese dictator that he slaughters the Uyghurs in Western China, slaughters them literally. And you know how he slaughters them or has it done in most cases? They're harvesting organs from those Uyghurs and using them to put into Chinese people that need transplants. Oh, by the way, I just... Just to mention this, some of the harvesting that happens, they don't even sedate the Uyghur that they're taking kidneys from and other organs. So Gavin Newsom felt it was incumbent upon him to make sure dictator Xi Jinping, he knew California was in a great place and the people love all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what we found out overnight? Crime in San Francisco is so bad now Listen to this. There are actually right now pirates in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm talking about pirates, real pirates on the water. You know, Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean. They're doing this kind of stuff. And especially in the part of the Bay, the estuary between Oakland and California. And if you know California, you know right where I'm talking about. These people are just common criminals. They are living on illegal anchor-off vessels. These are vessels. You have to get a license to tie up or drop anchor in San Francisco Bay. It's a government thing. These people are just coming in, and they're living on illegal anchor-off vessels, committing robberies within San Francisco Bay. Anchor-offs or anchor-outs are boats that are illegally anchored without a permit. Just over the past few months, a spree of robberies that involve stolen motorboats that were used to prey on larger boats and marinas plagued this estuary. That's the uh, body of water between San Francisco and Oakland. In one case, thieves made off with three inflatable dinghies from an Alameda yacht club. Burglars hit at least four other Bay Area yacht clubs, a sailing center, several owners who just happen to be living on their boats. So the city of Alameda has been diligent in keeping illegal anchor offs at bay. Oakland continues to struggle with derelict boats, currently at about 20. There's a criminal element that shows up that's not just living on these boats anchored out, one of the people there said. They get really aggressive. They go out at night into marinas, stealing equipment off boats, stealing boats out of the marinas. Alameda has never allowed this to become a problem on their shoreline. They've been victimized. These pirates have gone into Alameda marinas. They're feeling the brunt of it. 
but they don't have the anchor out vessels on their Alameda side. So one motor shop owner, Outboard Motor Shop is the name of it, Craig Jacobson, he said thieves struck two of his boats at his business in Oakland, made off with tens of thousands of dollars in parts and electronics. We recovered it at the same anchor off flotilla. I know of about 20 boats that have been stolen, Jacobson said. They've all been found in the exact same place. For a couple of months, it was serious. We got calls every day about people having their boats stolen. They'd go into the marinas at night, take the small inflatables and stuff, take them over to their homeless encampment. It's just homeless people living on boats. For some reason, nobody wants to deal with it. The Oakland police say it's Alameda's issue. Alameda police say it's Oakland's side of the estuary. This guy that is telling this story, Jacobson, he said that installing security fencing and cameras to stop crime makes no difference. Criminals always find a way to be, well, to be criminals. Twice at night, people came into his yard. One night, he saw people in hoodies going through a boat in the back of his yard. I chased him off. Who knows what's happening at night when we're not here, he said. Of course, the other stuff is true. You know, cops are shorthanded. So calling 911 doesn't prompt a rapid response. We call 911, he said, the morning we found our stuff and were told the officers were tied up with violent crime. We had to deal with it ourselves. Tracy Regalman is the assistant commodore at the Oakland Yacht Club in Alameda. In his role, he's been dealing with crime related to homelessness for more than a year. Not just from so-called pirates, but shoreline criminals as well. In other words, what we're talking about, the reality is criminality all up and down the whole state of California. And sadly... That applies to many of the other 49 states. Criminality is at an epic level now, and it all began during a Democrat administration with the cries from the far left in the Democrat Party and even further left than the Democrat Party. Pull back on the authority given the benign authority that had always just been considered what cops are supposed to do, pull back on it. Defund police across the board. And in every one of the cities across America where that happened, every single one, even in Oakland, San Francisco, and Alameda, California, there are pirates, <laughs> real to goodness pirates. I wonder if they have the, you know, the, the bird on their shoulder and an eye patch. <laughs> Who knows? But life in America, it's not like it's ever been in my lifetime before. You can't go anywhere where there's no crime. I don't know a place where it exists. And it's because the love of money is the root of all evil. And when you have people that have never been, or at least are now, not being held accountable for their criminal actions, they're just going to do what criminals do. Keep conducting criminal acts against other people. It's as simple as that. A couple of notes coming out of the Middle East today. 
one kibbutz founder, one Israeli kibbutz founder, founded this little community, age 85, the oldest Israeli hostage, has died in Hamas captivity, 85 years old. His name is Arya Zamanovich, was one of the founders of Kibbutz near Oz. This little small Israeli farming community confirmed his death by releasing a statement. The Times of Israel reports that terror group had published a video in mid-November in which it had looked like it was Zalmanovich looking sick. It claimed he later died, but this has not been confirmed until the official announcement. Another murder was confirmed when the kibbutz announced early this morning the death of Maya Gorin. It said, with great sorrow, kibbutz near Oz announced the murder of Maya Gorin. Maya was 56 years old, a member of kibbutz near Oz. She was a mother of four. Maya was a hardworking and dedicated kindergarten teacher, gave loving care to the kibbutz children for many years. Her husband, 56-year-old Abner Gorin, was slaughtered in the October 7th massacre. Sadly, and it may be insensitive for me to say it this way, but looks like this is just another day in Israel. And many people are normalizing that if you're an Israeli person and you live in Israel, ah, it's going to happen to you. You need to find someplace else to go. But here's the thing. Jews, all 9 million of them, that's how many Jews there are. Most of them live in Israel. Do you know what tiny percent of Earth's population are Jewish? They don't go around slaughtering people. They don't go around kidnapping people. But yet they're probably the most hated sector of the population of planet Earth, percentage-wise at least. So the ceasefire, I guess it's over. An Israeli government spokesman early this morning declared that Hamas is now, they're going to take the mother of all thumpings after a truce pausing fighting in Gaza expired and hostilities resumed. Unfortunately, Hamas decided to terminate the pause by failing to release all the kidnapped women. That's a government spokesman briefing saying that. Having those Having chosen to hold on to our women, Hamas will now take the mother of all thumpings. Israel this morning relaunched its brutal offense on Hamas with full force, firing a barrage of missiles, sending warplanes screaming over Gaza as the week-long ceasefire expired. The truce officially expired at 7 a.m. local time, but the IDF claimed that Hamas violated the ceasefire early and launched rockets on Israel hours before the ceasefire was supposed to be over. Footage shared on social media appeared to show attacks on the city of Zderot, close to the border with Gaza. Just under an hour before the ceasefire officially expired, the IDF claimed it had intercepted another attack, adding that a number of rockets had been fired by Hamas before the truce ended. The Hamas-led health ministry in Gaza, they said 14 people had been killed in the first two hours after the fighting resumed. 
Ministry spokesman said there were 14 dead dozens injured, most of them women and children. Yeah, the seven-day truce, it offered a welcome reprieve from the bloodshed. It saw Hamas release dozens of Israeli and foreign hostages, one American, one American. Dozens more remain trapped inside Gaza as the fighting has resumed this morning. I don't see a peaceful ending in the near future over this. Now, let me pontificate just for a minute. This is the last thing we're going to talk about regarding Israel today. Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, all of those moving parts in this battle, this war that's still going on, it's raging, and it's probably going to ramp up and become more egregious now that the ceasefire is over. But here's what everybody needs to understand. Bad people do bad things. Evil people do evil things. So what does that have in this context, Dan? Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. If you got a dog or you live next door to somebody that has a dog, when the dog barks, that's what dogs do. When somebody who lives next to you is caught stealing and they've been caught stealing multiple times before, they're just being who they are. This is really playing out, and it's getting right in the faces of every American. I can't tell you how many people I hear from, either personal conversations, text emails, even writing me a letter, or scared about the environment that seems to be deteriorating around the world. Totalitarianism is slowly amping up. And it's odd, but most of the people that are reaching out, they either mention totalitarianism, communism, Nazism, those things that are political ideologies that we have watched and still are in our rearview mirror. None of those, none of that type of governing accomplishes anything positive except maybe for the small group of people that are at the top of these nations and they're taking advantage of their own people by killing in many cases their own people to accomplish whatever personal objective they are using to justify what they've done. We need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for the Israeli people. We need to pray for the Palestinians that live over there that are not members of Hamas. And by the way, We need to pray for Hamas, that the leadership of that terrorist operation would come to their senses. But we got to stop being shocked when we hear and see these horrendous acts committed by these terrorists. That's who these people are. Those are choices they made, many of them when they were very young children. And we've shared some of the horror stories that we personally saw that shows that very young Hamas fighters were actually and positively taught to murder, to slaughter, to hate and kill all the Israeli Jewish people that they can. That's a conditioning act that took place over years. 
we need to pray for the nation of Israel. Some very, it was expected, but uh, very shocking news is coming out of Washington, D.C. New York congressional member, House of Representative George Santos, a Republican, was just expelled from Congress. He's from Long Island. 35-year-old freshman member called his expulsion and the report theater for the American people. The House Ethics Committee found that Santos used campaign money, donations to fund a lavish lifestyle, engaged in fraud, and filed false election reports. In history, listen how rare this is, 240 years, he is the sixth, only the sixth member to be expelled by a vote in congressional history. He's a Long Island congressman. He stole donor funds to spend only fans, only fans and Botox. This morning he fled Capitol Hill, ignored reporters as he became just the sixth House member in history to be kicked out. Over 100 Republicans joined Democrats in booting him out of office. The vote Friday totaled 311 to 114. His mountains of lies included fabricating family links to the Holocaust, 9-11, killing his mother, working on Wall Street, recovering from a brain tumor, being of Ukrainian Jewish descent, and starting a charity. He seems to have been, and probably still is, I don't know, a really bad guy. Devastating ethics report alleged that he improperly diverted campaign money to pay for Botox treatments for a Hermes bag, only fan purchases, and cash withdrawals at a casino. Well, it's bad enough when somebody does something wrong and takes something from somebody, you know, campaign contributions were given in in good faith that whoever they were given to will use them legally to further their desires and ability to serve the people that live in their respective differences the districts but this is this is this is really bad but the other thing is he's a republican the republican party has a very skinny majority four votes in the house now there will be a special election but that means Long Island New Yorkers are going to have to pick somebody to finish Santos's term and then to run for the two-year term again next November. Republicans, they cannot bear to lose another seat that's going to make being conservative in government and our government much, much harder to get things done. Some big news coming out of D.C. today about Donald Trump and the big-time civil trial. Florida Attorney General Letitia James. This stuff I'm going to tell you. I'm going to take a quick break, but when we come back, the information that has come out, it just gets nastier, dirtier, and it proves to be nothing but wicked, evil politicians trying to live on the backs of a very famous 
very wealthy former president of the United States and use your hatred for him to give you a boost in your upcoming political campaigns. That's what Letitia James is doing. That story's next. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... Snuggle... out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. So just in case you don't know the details of why Attorney General from New York, Letitia James, filed a civil lawsuit against Donald Trump, it was a manufactured list of charges for fraud, for criminal fraud against banks, against insurance companies. But the problem for her is nobody lost any money, even if the charges were true. Nobody lost any money. In fact, in this civil trial, Witness after witness, people that are financial experts, people that were part of this Donald Trump empire of building, buying, and financing commercial real estate in the billions, tens of billions of dollars in New York City. Letitia James is supposedly representing the people of New York against the criminal actions, the fraudulent criminal activity by Donald Trump and his companies. But the facts say otherwise. Let me give you an example. A Deutsche Bank executive, that's the bank that the Trump organization did billions of dollars of loan financing on commercial buildings. 
One executive from Deutsche Bank told the New York court on Tuesday that it's not unusual for loan clients to sometimes overstate their net worth and that the bank does its own diligence in determining their, their eligibility for the loans they're looking for. In other words, when somebody, especially somebody that is in big business and is involved in dozens and dozens of business activities, building, buying, mortgaging, selling massive real estate holdings around the, the world, they don't, they don't they can't go out and hire people that automatically know how to determine the value of this commercial real estate. And in New York State, it says in the law for these bank loans that and insurance company loans that are given for mortgages on commercial real estate, the bank, the insurance company, is supposed to do their own estimates on the wealth of the clients, and does that justify their wealth, their net worth? Does it justify that institution giving them a loan? And also, the bank is on the hook to determine the value, the real value of these buildings that they're contemplating writing a mortgage on. Keep that in context. That Deutsche Bank executive said it's normal that sometimes people overstate their net worth. Also, sometimes it's understated. Another executive testified Deutsche Bank had benefited from its business relationship with Trump and had wanted to continue that relationship, all of which runs against Attorney General Letitia James' civil fraud case against Trump. There was no one harmed by the alleged overestimates of Donald Trump's worth. This is the first case ever brought in New York, first case ever in which a borrower is being sued for fraud when nobody has made a single claim that they were harmed. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of commercial building loans have been given to the Trump Organization and documents and bank testimony of these officials verifies not only were the assets represented legitimately, but the Trump Organization paid every payment on every loan through the years, paid them on time or early, and not one time were they late. The judge in the case, Arthur Ingeron, an elected Democrat, by the way, issued a summary judgment that Trump was liable before Trump was ever able to mount a defense. He hadn't even seen or heard the evidence presented in court. Nobody had. That's part of the California suit, the process that the Attorney General, Letitia James, she created it to be presented in that format. Bloomberg News said this, David Williams, who worked on at least one of three loans, loans, Deutsche Bank made to Trump in the years before he was elected, testified Tuesday it's atypical but not entirely unusual for the bank to cut a client's stated asset value by a half 
then approve a loan anyway, as it did with Trump. Deutsche Bank, which loaned Trump hundreds of millions of dollars for properties in Miami, Chicago, Washington, D.C., they decided and did cut his stated net worth in 2011 and 2012 from about $4.2 billion to $2.3 billion when they evaluated his loan request. Now, this is according to internal bank credit memos used as evidence in the loan request. The same documents show the bank approved the loans anyway because it expected and felt based upon the history of the Trump organization, the bank approved the loans because it expected them to generate a profit based on Trump's history of successful developments and other criteria. As part of our due diligence, this bank officer said, we subject a client's asset value to adjustments. It's part of our underwriting process. We apply it to every client regardless of what they're telling us. Trump has said the civil case against him, like federal criminal cases in Florida, Washington, D.C., and state criminal cases in New York and Georgia, are simply motivated by politics, you think? You think? Could that have anything to do with it? And then Jonathan Turley. Let's go over to the legal side of this conversation. Jonathan Turley, a well-known, well-respected constitutional attorney, is not a Trump fan. He's not a Republican. But he was talking yesterday on Fox Business. And Jonathan Turley called demands from this attorney general, Letitia James, in this civil fraud case against Trump breathtaking. As we told you, Deutsche Bank executives in droves testified this week that the bank was whale hunting. Yeah, really, whale, W-H-L-A. That's what they call very wealthy people. And they thought, the bank did, that Trump could introduce them to other wealthy clients and that an adjustment of his net worth from the $4.2 billion to $2.4 billion, it wasn't an issue in granting a loan for a Miami-area golf course. One document introduced at the trial showed revenue from doing business with Trump companies climbed to over $6 million in 2013 from 13000 in 2011. Now, did you hear who that was? The bank made, the bank made $6 million, $6 million in two years. You've got this New York law that allows James to proceed against Trump even though nobody lost any money. Even though no banks complain. No insurance companies complain. And on that basis, she's asking for a nuclear option. Turley was talking to Fox host Larry Kudlow. Now, what's the nuclear option? She, in this case, is asking for the court to destroy, demolish, do away with Trump's businesses, the company. Take it out of business, totally, and force the Trump people to sell every one of the properties that they have in New York. In other words, he's done in business, at least in New York. 
She said she sued Trump in September last year, alleging he overstated the value of real estate holdings in order to get loans, and she's trying to force him to pay a quarter of a million dollars as a fee, a penalty, and bar him and his children from being officers in any business in New York. So these guys get on the stand and they said, look, you know, estimates differ. You don't rely on those estimates, Charlie said. You rely on your own estimates. But they also said, we made money here. And then we tried to get more loans with the Trumps. They described Trump as being a whale client, somebody you really want. And the disconnect of that testimony with what James is seeking is really breathtaking. Before the trial even started, the judge ruled that Trump was liable for fraud. Not a single piece of evidence presented in court yet. No testimony. The defense hadn't even been able to get on the record in any way. There were no witnesses yet for cross-testimony. And the Judge Arthur, uh, Judge Arthur N. Garan, he ordered several business licenses Trump held were to be rescinded. By the way, thankfully, a appeals court paused that ruling. Real estate experts said that the N. Garan's ruling greatly undervalued Mar-a-Lago, the Florida state owned by Trump, which some considered to be worth more than $250 million. Now, who were those people? that felt like Mar-a-Lago was worth $250 million. A couple of them were people that owned properties down the street from Mar-a-Lago. One particular developer, he had five commercial lots on the same streets as Mar-a-Lago. Commercial lots that were much, much, like 20% the size of the property Mar-a-Lago sits on. He sold each of those lots just a lot, nothing built on it at all, for $5 million. And Mar-a-Lago, in size, is 10 times the size with buildings, golf course, everything. 10 times the size of what those lots are for. You just can't come up with logistical justification for that. It is nothing, has been, will be until it's all over or somebody kicks it over in a grave and says, we're going to stop this mess. It's nothing but political ploys instigated by Joe Biden's Department of Justice, by Letitia James, who, by the way, communicated often with people in the Biden Department of Justice about all of this stuff regarding Trump. She campaigned both when she ran for a local office, a district attorney office, her campaign promise, I'm going to run Donald Trump out of business. She ran for attorney general, I'm going to throw Donald Trump out of business. She campaigned. Now think about it. Do you know how many people the Trump organization employs that live in New York? Thousands. If they kick Trump, out of New York, if they force him to do whatever he has to do, shut down those businesses, how many thousands of people lose jobs? What about the companies, the people that are working in these towers, these 
all across Manhattan, New Jersey, that are part of the Trump, well, Trump Tower. And they forced a sale. I have never in my lifetime, I'm a businessman, an entrepreneur, my entire life. I've seen all kinds of crazy things happen in business, but I've never heard or seen anything like that. And the fact that this judge would even entertain the consideration on the basis of the quote-unquote evidence that he saw, no trial began, no evidence, no witnesses, therefore no cross-examine of any witnesses, and he ruled that Trump is guilty of fraud and nobody lost a dime. In fact, everybody made buttloads full of money off of Trump. I've never heard of anything like this in the United States. Sounds to me something like, oh, I don't know, Nazism, communism, where the government, forget about the facts. If you're in the government, you can do anything you want. You can make anybody that you go after, you can make them liable for anything you say and allege that they did. Even before the evidence and any defense evidence is presented. That's what we're talking about here. This is the USA. We don't do this kind of stuff. Now, I told you when Steve Baker was here and we, in the first hour, were talking about the parts and the reasoning and the thinking behind that debate last night. Sean Hannity had California Governor Gavin Newsom, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in a face-off, just the two of them. And by the way, To his credit, I think Sean Hannity handled it purposely. He didn't get in the conversation other than to ask questions of each of these governors and get them on record. And then he had to kind of maintain maintain some peace and quiet because they got after each other. We played one segment, but I wanted you to hear the segment that probably will, if Gavin Newsom gets in uh, a bid for president, it's going to be a cornerstone of what he is going to run on. He is an all-in abortionist. He is. But the problem is, he doesn't, when he's asked, he doesn't tell all of his beliefs. He cherry-picks what he'll say. Sean Hannity put him on the spot, both of them, Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. Listen to this back and forth. On abortion. Topic that will seemingly play a very large role in the future elections, and it's the issue of abortion. I have a question for both of you. I'll ask you to please respect the individual's right to answer uninterrupted. Uh, And that is Governor DeSantis. Um, I think it's actually your turn, Governor uh, Newsom, if you don't mind. (laughs) All good. Most medical professionals believe a baby is viable outside of a mother's womb by between 24 and 26 weeks. That is the general scientific consensus. It changes, there are some variations on it. Abortion is legal in your state, quote, up to viability, is my understanding, unless the mother's health is in danger. Um, I'd like to get you on the record. You've been unwilling to answer this question. Do you, should there be any restrictions on the issue of abortion that you support at all? Because funding in California you have allocated in your budget $265 million for abortion last year alone. My question, very specific, 
Do you support any restrictions at all on abortion, especially in months seven, eight, and nine, past viability? I'm going to answer that question, but let's talk about the issue of abortion. Let's talk about the issue of abortion. You're going to answer it? I'm going to answer that question. Okay. I'll repeat that. But I think this is important, and it bears repeating. Ron DeSantis signed the most extreme anti-abortion bills in America. He signed a bill banning any exceptions for rape and incest. And then he said it didn't go far enough and decided to sign a six-week ban before women even know they're pregnant, Ron, before women can even access a doctor's appointment. So extreme is your ban that criminalizes women and criminalizes doctors that even Donald Trump said it was too extreme. On the issue of the extreme exception that you highlight as it relates to the issue of later-term abortion, it's almost always because of a fetal anomaly, the life of the mother. And in those rare cases, I trust, and answer your question, I trust the mother and her doctor to make that decision. So in other words, I want to be clear on this. If a woman and her doctor, for any reason... Not for any reason. No, it's, no, no, it's no. I'm asking... extremely rare. Should there this be... This is a canard. I know where you guys are going, Sean. You're even I, uncomfortable asking, with this whole issue. I, and I, I watch understand your, I This watch is your, where you guys have I'm to asking, go to cover for the should, extreme should anti-abortion agenda of Ron DeSantis. Should there be... Hurt your would you support a ban on abortion in 7th, 8th, or ninth month? I just if the, the If the mother's life is it not is in jeopardy. extreme extreme exception. People aren't going on and having abortions. Should it be illegal then? Unless something if devastating rare, is happening. Should it be it illegal? It should be up to the mother and her doctor and her conscience. And it so almost the answer always, is no restriction. I, I've already answered it. And I'll, and no I'll restriction. just reinforce it. To cover okay. up, again, no, hold on, for the most extreme abortion ban in country. I have a simple question, though. This is important. No, 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 will no. I'm not, asking the question. Ron DeSantis, will you or will you not sign a six-week ban okay. in the unlikely uh, case you become president DeSantis, of the United States? Let's talk you about, sign a national ban? Let's talk about your he state. He that. He's getting had, saved you had 15 on weeks. fundamental question. Uh, you had a 15-week rule in, in California. You reduced it to six. Uh, my question is this. Uh, what was your thinking behind it? Was it for religious reasons? Was it for uh, scientific reasons? What was the reason for you um, from going from 15 weeks to six weeks? Well, I believe in a culture of life. I think we're better off when everybody counts, when everybody has an opportunity to do well. Uh, and that bill uh, attaches when there's a detectable heartbeat. Uh, for, for the child. And some states have done that. Some states have done others. Some states have done uh, later. And obviously, they have a, a right to do that. Uh, but I think about one of our Floridians, a lady named Penny Hopper. Uh, she actually survived a late-term abortion uh, back in the day. And, and they left her on the, on the, uh, the table there to, to basically wither away. Her grandmother came, saved her, brought her to a, brought her to a hospital, brought her saved her and, and she ended up living a, living a good life. So, so she counts and she matters. And I think that what the position that we have from the modern left, including in California, is that they will take your tax dollars and they will fund abortion all the way to the moment of birth. He's wrong when he says the, the later terms are all because of this. 88% past 15 weeks are in fact elective uh, from, from the Florida data. He doesn't keep data there, but that is really extreme to take your tax dollars uh, and to do this all the way up uh, to the moment of birth. He didn't answer your question about any type of protections at all uh, for a baby that has a beating heart, that can feel pain, that is viable. 
Let me, but, let me, but, but, hold, but he, hold but on. Respectfully, this is a, a, an important conversation. Will you or will you not support you, you a national answer, Sean. Run? Why didn't you, why will didn't you, you answer Will you question? not support why didn't a you national support? ban if why? it lands on your desk? You couldn't answer that in any other context. Okay, answer gentlemen, it it's a we're moving yes, on no, to the, the next way. issue. Hey, no, Sean, not a you next never issue. Gave a week. The American people should know this. I'll answer it for Ron DeSantis. Can't answer it. What you just heard is the epitome of how a hardcore, very eloquent Democrat obfuscates answering a question that Sean Hannity asked Gavin Newsom dozens of times in that short segment. He never replied. Literally, Gavin Newsom and his state now, remember, with the overturn of Roe v. Wade last year, each state now has the unfettered authority to set their laws about abortion individually. It is not, never has been for that matter, enshrined in any federal law whatsoever. That's what the U.S. Supreme Court finally determined after all these years. Gavin Newsom wants the doctor and the mother to have the automatic only approval on whether or not an abortion can happen up to the moment of birth. Now, what does that mean in real life? This is a little gross, but this is exactly what it means. The three inches or so, the length of the birth canal, is all that separates somebody from killing a live baby. And of course, we could go into the when is a baby live. According to that thought process, the baby's not alive until he or she comes out of that birth canal. Wow. And because it's so obvious, the one thing that's so obvious with Gavin Newsom, when he really gets pumped up, and really wants to argue and talks over everybody. He talked over Sean Hannity. Ron DeSantis didn't have a chance to get in on that segment. And he began it, Gavin Newsom did, by attacking Ron DeSantis, not defending his ideology and what is being done and pushed to be done permanently enshrined in California law. He doesn't even wouldn't even talk about it. Here's my summation of the two men that debated last night. Gavin Newsom is a totalitarianist. That's what his philosophy is. Government controls everything. Individuals, citizens, immigrants, anybody else has no say-so, no conversation, no part of any of the things that are normally considered to be part of civilians' lives. The government can make you do anything they want you to do. That's a United States of America that Gavin Newsom looks at. It's what he thinks it's about, what it should be. And he, with tens of millions of other hardcore Democrats, feel the exact same way. We see it play out day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. 
They do not consider somebody being alive until they're fully out of the womb and have been breathing for a while on their own. Up until that point, if the mama wants them gone, they can kill them. You remember Governor Northam from Virginia? You remember what happened to him? He is a physician. And in a debate, he was asked that same question that Gavin Newsom was asked that Gavin wouldn't answer in a public debate. And it kept him from remaining as governor. He got beat because this is what he said. When he was asked, when do you feel like up until what point can an abortion happen when a baby's involved? And I'm going to paraphrase it, but the context of what he said is exactly what I'm about to say. The woman in conjunction with the doctor, her doctor, they will put the baby out on the table and they'll make sure the baby is okay. And then the doctor and the mother can decide what to do with that baby. He said that. The former governor of Virginia said that. In other words, that's infanticide. The baby's born, is breathing on its own, and it's there right in front of them, and the mom can look at the doctor and say, kill it, terminate it. That's what the state of California is looking at probably going to be the Gavin Newsom government policy on abortion in California. You think that's a little extreme? Don't get me don't get me going. I am a pro-life person. We're not even going to go in any further than that. We don't need to. You got your philosophy, I've got mine. And now you know what mine is. Gosh, we've only got 13 minutes left. I've got three really important things I need to get to after this break. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... with Sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with gecko, so... What? What did I say? Gecko. I said gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> 
For over 70... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee. Signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Millions of us have tried to figure out and puzzle through why in the heck would this president be so all-in on filling the borders of the United States up with massive numbers of unvetted, unknown, illegal immigrants that can come to the United States, walk in across the southern border, and be protected, be put in a protected class. Not only that, but put in a place to pay for everything. That's what Joe Biden's doing. Well, guess what's happening now? Business lobbies, their pro-migration Democrat allies are worried that Republicans, ooh, they might do it. They might use their voting power to stop President Biden's huge inflow of illegals. That is an oxymoron, <laughs> trying to stop a president from continuing to break the law eight million times or more while he was president. He won't stop. In fact, he's encouraging these illegals to come in. Andrea Flores is a lobbyist with the FWD.us group for high-tech investors who make big dollars for mass migration. Here's what she said. Republicans have set the terms of the negotiation. Rather than fighting for dreamers, visa reforms, or other long-term priorities, Dems have allowed the starting point to be a series of asylum restrictions. So Democrats are negotiating border and asylum policies with a political party that so openly promulgates white nationalist conspiracy theories. That's a note that was signed by 11 Democrat senators. Republicans are demanding the presidential parole authority be scaled back, which is an absurd demand, complained Greg Sargent, an establishment colonist at Jeff Bezos' Washington Post he also favors the wage-cutting, rent-spiking policy of annually importing roughly 4 million legal and illegal migrants. We do 1 million legally now every year. That vast inflow has pushed millions of Americans to the economic sidelines. But Sargent continued, under those parole grants, if migrants gain U.S. sponsors, they can live and work in the country for two years. This provides a orderly alternative to the mode of entry that enraged Republicans in which migrants breach the border, seek asylum, and disappear into the country while awaiting a hearing. Gutting parole could mean much more of the latter. The alarm signals are reason for hope, said John Fear, former migration official who is now at the Center for Immigration Studies. Democrats are also desperate to win additional funding to minimize the obvious cost of migration and for their controversial policy of funding Ukraine's maximalist war 
with Russia. Democrats are also grappling with the growing anti-Semitism that is fueled by their support for immigration. Here's the deal, folks. We have this thing called the Constitution. We have this thing called the rule of law. Congress is the only entity, individual, it is an entity, but the only one that can constitutionally craft federal laws regarding immigration. And there are a buttload of laws, federal laws, that are on the books that were passed as the Constitution says they are. The people's representatives called 435 of them at least, members of the House of Representatives. The other 100 are U.S. Senators. Those two entities have the unfettered sole right to create and pass and implement laws if, after they're passed individually, they go to the White House and the sitting president signs them into law. As I said, there are dozens and dozens of those laws that are on the books. Now, all of these so-called concerned people, they maintain, well, these laws are unfair. They don't make any sense. This is not the way. We can't live by this. We can't keep these people that are so desperate to make better lives for themselves and their family members. We can't, in good conscience, keep these people from coming in. Well, we did it for 200 years, and the way we did it was we made every one of them do it the way the Constitution says. They want to change that. We got to change that. That isn't fair. We already let legal, legal immigrants from countries all over the world every year we have throughout our history. We allow one million, one million legal people that come through the system the legal way to come in every year. One million. One million that we do is more than the combined uh, combined legal immigrants allowed into every other country on the planet combined. These people, they say and feel and think it's okay if they don't like the laws, they just ignore the laws. That's Joe Biden. He feels that way. Nancy Pelosi, every Democrat in either side of Congress, every one of them believe the laws are unfair and these evil Republicans won't change them. Well, you know why? It's because of the U.S. Constitution. There are exact details of what we should do when there are laws that we think they're not good. Change them. Congress, change them. That's the way the law works. Every one of these hardcore, we don't care about the government, we don't care about the rule of law, make them, force them. We're going to tear down all the structure that you put in place that is unconstitutional, and we're going to make you abide by the rule of law. Thanks for being here today. What a good day. I'm glad Steve Baker dropped by to give us his his fix on that debate last night between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. You guys have a wonderful weekend. I know many of you are going to get started now on Christmas preparations. Be safe. Be careful. But listen, really, don't forget about the reason for the season. And speak into the lives of people that really need somebody like you to speak into their lives. So long, everybody. We'll see you Monday.